Hello, coming to you live from Minneapolis, Minnesota. Welcome to Her Next Chapter, the podcast dedicated to sharing stories from amazing women who have reinvented their careers or lives. Could be total changes, could be side hustles. I'm Stephanie Pierce, mother of three, wife of one, former corporate exec, and now I am the founder and CEO of StephPierce.com. And I am Julie Burton, founder of Modern Well, a female-centered co-working space in Minneapolis. And I'm the author of The Self-Care Solution, A Modern Mother's Must-Have Guide to Health and Well-Being. And I'm a mother and a wife. In each episode, Julie and I will bring you these awesome stories about the power, pain, and laughs that come from change. Are you ready for your next chapter? Hello, everybody. Welcome to her next chapter. We are so excited today. um, We have a wonderful, wonderful guest, um, Meredith Moore. Um, It is Black History Month, and we, which we are extending, by the way, into March. We Um, are. It really should just be all all the time, but for um, some of us, it is all the time. But (laughs) for the purposes of the podcast, it's going to be February. Plus a little bit of March. <laughs> um, and we are just uh, just over the moon to to feature wonderful, amazing, powerful uh, women of color um, who uh, we Stephanie and I are just are more and more inspired by each one of our guests. And today um, we is another woman who is. Um, I, I, I don't want to do this like ageism thing at all, but you're going to hear about Meredith's, Meredith's story and um, we're not going to put a number on it, but she's young. <laughs> okay. She's like, she's young and I'm, I'm looking at her bio and I, you know, I've, I just had the wonderful privilege of, of meeting Meredith in person and, and, and um, I can, I'm grateful to call her a friend and, and I'm just, I'm just blown away by this woman and how much Meredith has accomplished in her life. Um, and she's got so much more. I mean, she's just saying, you know, begun. so Meredith Moore, welcome to our podcast, to her next chapter. Um, we are honored and thrilled to have you. Um, Meredith is the president of Leverett Weeks. She will explain um, her professional life um, as she introduces herself. She's an author of Getting Unstuck, a fantastic book, um, highly recommend. We'll put it in the show notes. She was in corporate, worked in corporate America for many years, so did the whole corporate gig and reinvented herself, as she will explain um and went on her own and is coaching and um helping leaders become the best that they can possibly be so um we are thrilled to have you and would love to have you introduce yourself a little better than i did and um and tell us how you continually reinvent yourself and and what reinvention it seems like it's an ongoing theme in your life which is a beautiful thing and most of our guests are saying that that is the key right is to to continually um challenge and reinvent ourselves so tell us about you and your reinvention story meredith welcome 
Welcome. Thank you. Yes, I'm so glad to be here. I mean, first of all, just thank you for even clearing a, a space for me to be here. I think this is so wonderful. Growing up in Minneapolis, I was always looking for like the adults, like where are the women I'm supposed to be following? Where are these like amazing people? And so for you all to have created this space in such an accessible way of it being podcast, um, which even though people won't get to see you, you both look lovely today. So, you know, get that. But, um, you know, I think that's the most important thing for me. Um, I like to say that I'm 30 fine. So thank you, Julie. Feel free to use that, <laughs> listeners. It works for 40 fine, 50 fine, whatever age we're going to hold at. Um, but for me, so much of um, who I am starts with growing up here in Minnesota. Um, I was always an only is the way that I like to think of it. Um, and so I am a lifer of Breck. Shout out uh, to the increased Right. Yeah. Yeah. My thanks. Uh, but for me, it wasn't really a pleasant experience at the time uh, because I was really thrust into leadership before I knew what it was, before I understood what it meant to be one of the few women of color. I did understand that I was being put in rooms with people who had influence and who had power and who I needed to help them understand um, why my life was important, why my voice was important, uh, and why you had to listen to people who look like me. And so at a very young age, I started learning how to advocate for things. And so reinvention for me was this ongoing evolution of um, really mourning. I think for a lot of leaders, you have to mourn, you know, um, in my book, I talk about, you know, uh, an, an army of sheep led by a lion will defeat an army of lions led by a sheep. You have to mourn every time in your life that you have to kill the sheep in you and decide, no, boo-boo, we're going to be a lion. We're going to have to put on our big girl panties and do this. And so it started at a young age for me. And then I left here and went to Howard University, where I really discovered my love for communications. And I discovered that I had this knack for being able to help people uh, get clarity around what it was that we needed to do. Uh, and I also discovered crisis management because I was there during 9-11 and anthrax and the sniper. And so I started to realize that I had a, a, a coping mechanism with stress that was really productive, which surprise, surprise, made me a good fit for corporate America. So I started my career with a pivot from communications to finance. And in finance is when I had this incredible woman who first told me talented people always push back. And so that really became my brand in corporate America. I knew I was talented because you hired me. <laughs> so you can't take that back. <laughs> so now that I'm here, you're not going to be able to just treat me any kind of way. You're not going to be able to treat the people who work with me any kind of way. And so I got really comfortable in an early age with quitting because I would see these other people who were further along in their career who were so unhappy. And it was like, they were waiting for something that I was like, it's not gonna come though. You get that, right? Like, they're not gonna help you. You're doing your job. And so they're happy with that. And so I, I always dealt with people being like, you should just sit down and, and you should be okay with the pace with whatever happens, um, but I didn't. So I quit my first corporate job in finance uh, with no notice, nothing. I just, I got physically assaulted at work. And when I told my parents, my dad, you know, they're from the 60s. They were like, I got hit with a fire hose. This ain't nothing. Go to work. And I decided, OK, um, so I can't ask my parents. I can't ask somebody else. What are my <laughs> boundaries? So I quit that job um, and I found myself uh, working for McDonald's. I had responded to this job and at the time I was a vegan. And so that was another reinvention for me because I had to really decide you know, um, I loved the brand, 
but I couldn't figure out, okay, well, how much do I love when I'm my choices? Right. So I made some adjustments and I was eating like Big Macs on top of Big Macs. I mean, at one point, my boss who I started working for at the time, he was the chief operating officer. He was the highest ranking African-American officer at the company. He was an engineer. Um, and <laughs> I started writing for him and we were doing all these tastings and I would eat like the whole burger. And like after the first one, he was like, listen here, listen, buttercup, <laughs> you're not going to make it. <laughs> you gotta like take a bite or move on. So for me, reinvention was always like people would point these things out to me about how I needed to shift to be ready for the next thing. And I would always try to listen. And I think the biggest reinvention um, as I think back over my life, there's so many points, but it was at McDonald's that um, I actually lost my sight. I, I was temporarily blind. I worked myself to the point that I went from having double vision to triple vision to waking up and seeing eight alarm clocks. And I was having, I couldn't turn my neck. I kept feeling like I had water in my ear, like after you've showered. And I only found out later when I went into the emergency room and they asked me, what's the last thing you want to see? And when I was telling them the experiences that I'd had, the guy said, oh, that's brain fluid. You have three times the brain and spinal fluid a human being should, should have. I hadn't slept in weeks, but I was very productive. And so in that time when I was blind, I really got clear about how I could help people, what it was that I could do and where I needed to start setting boundaries to protect my health. Because a lot of times when you're talented, people will use all of your talent. And we have plenty of examples, especially it being Black History Month. Uh, you know, there's plenty of examples in the Black community of our leaders who fall victim to our own health because we push through these things. And so the rest of my career is a testament to the lesson that I learned in that time. I really started to, at a very early age, decide what I'm not gonna do. And so that's what I was known for in these jobs was like, if you want something to stop, you better invite Meredith to the meeting. Cause I'd be like, <laughs> I'm cool. <laughs> so that's now I get the pleasure of being able to be the person I wish I had when I was corporate. And so my dad started this company in 1973. I restarted it in 2016, and we support executives who are leading in diversity, equity, inclusion, because that's a very unique responsibility to be advocating for yourself while advocating for others. And there's psychological safety we need to think about, there's career advancement we need to think about, and there's what is your brand beyond this problem you're solving. And so I feel like my entire life has been a testament to that. And it brought me so much joy to be able to move back to Minnesota, to be able to be here, especially when George Floyd was murdered, right? And we started doing work as our company. We're very proud. We just did the communications and branding for the Minnesota Business Coalition for Racial Equity. Mm -hmm. All of the corporations here that have come together and said they wanted to do something. And I mean, I'm, I'm in the season of my life where I understand this is my life's work. I've been doing this since Breck. And to be in a position now where I can be helpful without hurting myself is all I could ever want in life. So thank you for letting me be here and thank you for letting me share my story. That is so amazing. So talk to me, how, when did the book, when did Getting Unstuck happen for you and what, what prompted it? What brought your heart to the book? Um, I think what prompted it was I started to experience such disrespect at work that I started to second guess that I was competent. Mm. And I remember calling one of my professors from Howard and saying, uh, they told me I can't write. And she was very quick and was like, well, can you? <laughs> and I was like, 
yeah i mean she was like did you go to school for it and i was like yeah she was like did they hire you to do it? i'm like yeah and she's like so then who told you you can't write and so for me i think it was i understood i'm a big proponent of mental health therapy I knew that that was anxiety. I knew it was imposter syndrome. And I knew that there were other people around me that didn't have the resources to identify and take off what corporate puts on you, what work puts on you. And so getting unstuck for me was honestly, one, a love letter to myself of, I knew that this was gonna happen again. I mean, and I wanted to create something that was so good that it would work for me and it would work for somebody else. And for me, the proof point of that was I went through at the beginning of COVID, I was working on all these deals. I was going to go on this tour. It was going to be amazing. It was like, we're, we're, this is Oprah level. We're going to get to Beyonce this year. I mean, 2020 was going to be my year. Um, and in the midst of that, I went through a terrible divorce and getting unstuck was what I could read. I like couldn't handle anything else. It was like step-by-step -step, Meredith, like, who are you? Who are you? What do you want? What are we going to do? And so that's what I hope anybody reading gets is that when you are stuck, it is extraordinarily painful and getting unstuck is not easy. But for anybody listening, I want you to know my life is a testament. It is absolutely worth it. You are always worth your time. And there's no way there you will never hear a story of somebody who got unstuck and did not take any action. You have to. It starts with you. And so that's what the book is for me. I wanted to inspire people with my own story of, hey, I made it. I'm okay. It's going to look different, but you'll love it too. That's awesome. And and I think too, to your point, there we've talked with other other guests about how when you're when you're stuck, one of the biggest pieces to getting unstuck, right? And and I know you talk about this in your book, but it's just creating that space and giving yourself. Yeah. permission right to to because when you're stuck if you literally think about being stuck and you can't move you have to it's space right space that we need to um to be able to expand and get unstuck and and move forward yeah. so so in places in your life how, how have it how have you done that how have you been able because it's it's scary right to 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 leave corporate America and, you know, and go off on your own. It, it's, it's scary to, to write a book and publish a book and how, what do you, what are your practices um, that help you get unstuck so that you can reinvent yourself? Oh, I love that. I mean, you know, you're, a, you're one of my practices, Julie. I mean, you <laughs> taught me so much about self-care as a mother that I didn't, I mean, I think that's the first thing I would say is that your practices should be evolving with your life. I think that's a big mistake people make is that like, if I was still using the tactics I used when I was in sixth grade, <laughs> I, I, it wouldn't work anymore, you know? And so I think the greatest thing that has helped me um, in staying encouraged and staying confident and in believing that I could do something that maybe I wasn't seeing around me uh, is really being intentional in who you let in your life and really having a circle around you. Like right now I'm in this I'm so honored to be in this group of uh, celebrity ghostwriters uh, and we're all black women. And I mean, this is like everybody you've ever been like, oh, I love that. It's like, these are the people who do it. And just to sit at these tables is like, okay, I, I believe, I believe I can fly. I believe, <laughs> I believe, I, I believe, I believe I can do this, you know? And so I think that's so much of it. If you're surrounding yourself with people that are always saying you can't or that they can't or what's not possible, 
you'll start to believe that. And so in addition to getting up and I do my affirmations and I read and I do all these things in the morning, I make sure that the people I talk to in the day are not out of alignment with how I'm seeing myself. Is that fair? Yeah, totally. I'm guessing Meredith, given the book that you have had the opportunity to speak to a lot of people, women who are trying to get unstuck. I wonder if you can share with us, um, where do we usually go wrong? So what's the thing that most of us do and we think we're doing something, but really maybe not so much. I'm just wondering if there's a, it's kind of like when getting unstuck goes wrong, like what, what does that look like? I mean, I'm such a, a like business person. I, I listened to Grant Cardone. He's a sales guy. And his whole thing is 10x, expect things to be 10 times harder. Um, I think that's our biggest mistake <laughs> as women, as women as people. I mean, I always have people who, who will think that getting unstuck is easy. Like, just give me, you know, people just want the Band-Aid, right? Like, just inspire me. No, it's like, no, you have to do something. A a lot of times we think that either we're not going to have to do something or it's going to be easy. It's going to work the first time. You know, people are going to like it. Stop expecting. I remember when I was at McDonald's, I had to do all this corporate security training because uh, a lot of executives get kidnapped. We don't talk about that a lot in the U.S., but when people talk about stress from quitting jobs, I remember the first time I had to tell my family, the company does not negotiate with kidnappers. So if I get taken and somebody contacts you, do not negotiate. My parents were like, what the hell? What is this? What is this? You're selling burgers and fries. What is this? All right. What, what I learned in that security training though, um, was the guy said, go home and ask somebody you love to hit you. I was like, this is the worst class who paid for this. And he said, because what happens is if you have never been hit before, and you are attacked, you are going to lose valuable seconds saying, damn, that hurt. What are you doing? And at the same time, they're going to hit you again and again and again. You'll never recover. You lost the window when your mind can shift into, I got to fight. And a lot of us miss the window when you got to fight. Because we sit there and we say, well, why did Peggy get it? Well, why didn't they do this? Well, why didn't anybody show it to me? Well, how was I? You missed it. You got hit move on. You know, you got to fight back. That I think for a lot of us, we don't have people around us who did that. And so it's hard for them to encourage you to do that. I want to talk to you a little bit about something that uh, I hear a lot, heard a lot in corporate as an HR person. People would say to me, men and women, well, Stephanie, my work should speak for itself, right? So I do I do great work and I shouldn't have to shine a light on that work. People will see this work, Stephanie, and I will be recognized for this work. I don't want to be like her, Stephanie. I don't want to be like him. They're pompous and they're always talking about themselves, but people are going to see my work and then I'm going to rise to the top because they're going to see it. Oprah's going to call me, right? And she is. She's going to call me because she's going to see the work that nobody else sees, but Oprah right. somehow is going to see. Well. Right. So I wonder, what do you say to that, to those that say, you know, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing and someone's going to notice? Yeah. I mean, I think it's so funny. In my experience, there's a gender play in this as well. 
right? Um, I think we have all kind of become socially accepting that there are some people who that's okay. They're going to do that. That's just them. That's who they are. And when people do it that we're not expecting, or we feel like they're not that much better than me, so why are they doing it and I'm not? Uh, my question is always, well, who's stopping you? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if we all want to talk about that she's out here promoting herself, nobody told you not to do it. And if it seems like it's working, I really, I'm, I'm wondering why you're not doing it. So, I mean, for me, it's always a little bit like, this is adorable. I say that all the time to people like that's adorable. I actually have a client yesterday who I was talking to. She, uh, <laughs> she's in Paris has, is in her dream job, you know? And she was like, you know what though? I'm not going to be one of those people that has like a five page, you know, report on everything they did this year. And I was like, oh, okay. So you don't want to get promoted. You, you don't, <laughs> you don't want to make more money though. And she was like, well, no, I do. And I was like, so, but so not documenting your work is going to help because they're just going to be like, but I feel good when she's here. Mm -hmm. And that is worth 10,000. That doesn't happen. And so I think people have to start realizing um, this fundamental level that the corporation is not your family. It's not your friends. They don't really care about what you're doing. They care about what they asked you to do and what you delivered. And if you can't document that, they have no responsibility to pay you anything more than what they said they were going to do when you didn't do the work in the first place. Right. So, I mean, <laughs> yes. Yeah. You know, I say to people all the time, I, I don't like running around talking about myself either, but there's like 50 HR directors here, right? <laughs> like, and pretty much we got the same job. So how is someone supposed to de decide who's next? Cause there's going to be somebody that's going to get promoted. Right. Yeah. yeah, And it's probably not going to be you if you're sitting and hoping <laughs> that someone's going to see. Well, yeah. And Stephanie, if you've never told anybody what you're good at, right? Like that, there is nobody. I mean, you're in HR, right? There's nobody in corporate America. I remember when I did like one of my executive jobs and they do the actual like psychological testing and, and skills. They don't do that for most people. Mm -hmm. So you just got accepted based on your resume and it's like, where, where did you think we were responsible for your development? I think that's where people have a missed expectation in corporate that you think they're supposed to bring you along. That's your job. Right. So you have to tell people what you've learned and what you're good at. Otherwise, what I learned is uh, they will find something that you are good at, whether it's stuff you want to do or not. And so I remember sitting in a meeting and someone was like, oh, Stephanie, we got to have you on this project because you're, you know, a great project manager. Am I? I don't. All of a sudden that was my brand. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. And someone said to me, if you don't pick something, they yeah. will pick it for you. And then that's it. Yeah. My name became Stephanie Project Managing Pierce. And that was, that was it. And like, Okay, note to self, find your brand and then make a t-shirt and call yourself that. But Stephanie, are you a good project manager? Because everything really... I've seen you do, you finish. She is. She is. A hundred percent she is. <laughs> well, let me just say I am. But if I would have been, that, that wasn't necessarily what I wanted to be known for. And, but, but I was under the, I'm just going to do this stuff and they're going to notice. 
and then it's going to become my brand. And what happened was they noticed, they just noticed something different Mm -hmm. than the part that I wanted them to notice. And so, I mean, I took the opportunities to be the project manager because they were amazing opportunities. But I remember saying to myself, I remember a mentor saying to me, especially in big companies, they will, if you're good, they will find the thing that you're good at that is beneficial there, whether you enjoy it or not, if you're good at it. And who doesn't need a project manager who also happens to be sitting in HR? Well, I mean, I think that's the other mistake we make is not quantifying our value when the organization says, this is critical, I need you to do that. Then it's like, okay, well, what is the cost of me doing this work? And how can you compensate me for that? Because what they did for you is just tell you, okay, well, I mean, now I'm like, well, thanks, Stephanie, I need a project manager. Come on, (laughs) more about that. Yes, it's very expensive work. It's very expensive. There you go. Very expensive. So, so Meredith, speaking of project management, right, you are, you got a lot of plates in the air, right? You've got a company, you're ghostwriting, you've got little kids. Um, What, what is a day in the life of, of, of Meredith Moore? And, and what, what, what do you see the next year, two years, five years looking like for you? (laughs) So a day in the life I have um, right now, I do media relations. I'm just helped do the communications for a hundred million dollar education fund. We just did an event yesterday with Pharrell. Um, So it looks like event support and getting to do things like that, working behind the scenes to make things like that come to happen. Um, Our company works uh, in a variety of areas and I'm very honored to work with all minority owned businesses. And so I really, I get to have a lot of conversations with clients that are, um, really challenging, but I love them because you're with people that you're like, man, we're going to help you. It's going to be great. It's going to be wonderful. Um, And then I would say probably 30% of my day is overcoming procrastination and ADHD (laughs) and trying to focus and just like get things done and, and feel like a human being and distance learning and just wrapping my mind around self-compassion right now. Um, and in the fact that I have all of these balls in the air because I can jungle them, but you can't do them all on the same, same day. And so I, um, always try to incorporate in my day time to just read with my kids or just like lay around with them and, and appreciate the fact that if it wasn't for COVID, I wouldn't have that. I had, I had less space with them. And so now they're getting to see how hard I work. They're getting ready to, you know, they're seeing these people. It was funny when we did the panel with Pharrell, my youngest, I'm like, it's the guy from happy. I'm like, you want to like, this is the time to do the thing like this dance, do something in the background. What are we doing here? So it's nice because it's a family business. My memories of my dad were him taking us all around town. We had a lot of uh, real estate. So I remember going and picking up checks and all of that. And so I feel like that has become my life is just very integrated into all of these different businesses and then executive coaching these women who are incredible men and women. Now Um, we do entire industries. We just did in the last year. And so for the next year, what it looks like for me is really creating the space to help more people understand and value uh, what it means to have a communications partner at the table, what it means to invest um, in diversity, equity, inclusion leaders. Um, This is a community where I have grown up 
I graduated high school in 2000 and we were talking about talented black people are going to leave. If you don't treat them well, they're going to leave. And we're 20, 21 years later and we're still like, I get calls all the day like, Meredith, is there a black middle class? Meredith, where are the black people? And so I think when I look at the next year or two years, that's the problem I got to solve. I'm tired of getting the calls about where is everybody? Um, and so I'm trying to figure out how to make the capacity to build us a community here with women like you. You know, how are we going to make it better for the people who are here? Because we're worth it and we're beyond competent. And so there's something that happens in the water here. And I want to I want to fix that. So that's what the next year is looking like for me. We got to fix some things. Oh, and getting a lot more involved legislatively. I mean, that is something where I have really been, I mean, I'm talking to the Pierce family over here. I'm not, I'm not gonna run for an office, but we gotta fix some stuff here uh, legally. And, you know, we have to stop being afraid of getting into politics. And so that's something else you can expect in the next year, you heard it here first. I, we gotta do something to help our elected officials. That's all, just that though, just oh that God. though. My heart is beating so fast listening to you. Because like, she's so flipping inspirational. I it's know. like, you want to, I want to go get something and do some something. That and help you and work with you and just all of it. Meredith. Let's do it. Let's do it. I want to grab James and be like, what are you going to do, buddy? You got this spot. What are you going to do? Yes. Okay. So Meredith, here's my question. Sure. So we've got a lot of listeners that are like, okay, yep. I don't, I just don't know what to do first. I'm, I don't know what to do first. So I'm curious, what advice do you have for our listeners that want to do more, want to do something different than what they're doing right now? And I'm, I'm really specifically talking about women, women who are like, I'm in this job. I want to move up. I feel like I can't. I'm in this job. I want to move out. I feel like I can't. I'm at home. I want to do something else. I feel like I can't. Yeah. I just wonder what advice would you give? Yes. Well, shameless plug. I would read Getting Unstuck, A Guide to Moving Your Career Forward. Uh, and I would do chapter one because it's for that exact reason, for you to be able to self-reflect. I what When I hear people say that, um, when you can see you want something to be different, but you can't see the first step, right? There was a saying I used to keep on my desk. Uh, when you come to the end of, of all the light that you've ever known and you're about to step off into the darkness, faith is knowing that one of two things will happen. Either there'll be something solid for you to stand on or you will be taught how to fly. And so I think it is for the person who is in the darkness, but they know that they can see light. You have to believe that you're gonna figure it out. You have to know that nobody does. And as women, we are so incredibly critical of ourselves. So anybody who's listening, I would say, first of all, you do not have to do it today. We are living in a global pandemic. Amen, hallelujah, take a nap. That's the first thing. You listen to a podcast, you did a lot today. So just let it like soak in and release yourself from pre-COVID demands on what you could do. This is a whole new world. Just be patient with yourself and don't think of it like a project. It's the same thing we say with diversity, equity, and inclusion. It's not a destination, it's a journey. 
So you paying attention to your life is a journey. Getting unstuck is a journey. And so use this time to just get comfortable with where you are in it, which is your starting. And the great thing is, is that once you do it one time, you get better at it. It's just like riding a bike. And so just have confidence that you're going to do it on your pace in a way that is going to feel good for you because you deserve to feel good. You deserve joy. You deserve love in your life. I hope that helps. I, I think it does. I think it yes. does. Yes. Oh, what a treat. I'm Here's telling you. So much. Oh my gosh. Just so many beautiful messages and so much inspiration um, that you shared with us and, and our listeners. So thank you so much for being with us and sharing your wonderful insight and your passion and your energy. You just, you're just like this bubble of just like, like bursting with energy and, and joy and hope and, and like, come on, everybody, let's, let's do this. And uh, I, I love it. So thank you. Thank you so much, Meredith. I, you remind me every day that um, we, we learn and we grow from the people around us. And being thoughtful about who those people are and how they lift you up and push you um, can be really impactful. So I, I personally appreciate all that you have done in support of me and our family. Um, I thank you for the book because I do think Getting Unstuck is a great opportunity. It's the perfect book for our listeners, for it sure. Is. For sure. Um, and so I appreciate you writing it and <laughs> giving us the ability to talk about it and to give people a place to go. Chapter one, let's hit it. Um, so thank you for that so much. Thank you. And I hope anybody listening, I mean, I wrote the book for somebody who is stuck here. I mean, I wrote it for the women in Minneapolis. So I hope that it is helpful. I hope that it continues to help us heal as a community and really build something beautiful because that's what we all deserve. So thank you all for putting an important brick in the foundation of what you're building. This is amazing. Thank you so much. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to another episode of hernextchapter.co. You can follow us on Instagram at hernext.chapter. And you can find all of our lovely, fun, fabulous podcasts on all those places where podcasts can be found. Please follow us and give us five stars. We'd be so delighted and tickled. And we hope that you are enjoying your time with us. Last but not least, hernextchapter.co. You can check us out there as well. See you next week.